I'm really excited to chat with my next guest. Sachi Couture is the founder and chief flavor officer of Sachili, a line of mouth-watering condiments uh, with a twist on the expected flavor of chili. She truly is a success story in this city. Sachi, thanks for joining me. Welcome. Thank you so much, Maggie, and congrats on your new show, and thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. So tell us a little bit about Sachili. How did this get started? Yeah, so um, so it's interesting. I often refer to my pivot into uh, sort of the food industry as a pivot from tech to taste. So I spent so much of my career uh, partnering with CEOs of high-growth companies and sort of being in that entrepreneurial environment, I was like, yeah, you know what, I've got the bug and I need to do something on my own. And so, you know, as they say, you, you usually, if you're going to embark on this journey, you you pick something that you're passionate about. And for me, my passion and food of love, uh, f- food and love of global flavors really seem like the right place to start. And why chili? Why, why these flavors and these spices? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I say that, so, so chili is actually a flavor company. We call ourselves a flavor company. Okay. We're not really your traditional chili product. And we're actually trying to do something different and and change things up in what I call that traditional uh, condiment category. So really, what our product line is, is ready-to-eat flavor toppings. And mm. we tell our customers that it's, it's, it's almost an extension of your salt and pepper uh, with just a little bit more of a flavor bomb. And so we've got a bunch of different flavors depending on which skew. And, um, and really, the idea is... You know, we're a product that you can sprinkle and spoon onto dishes that you eat every day. So we're cuisine agnostic. So we're not Mexican. We're not Thai. We're not, we're not specific to any cuisine. And, you know, my inspiration for this product line really came from my travels. And, and it's almost like my interpretation of all the flavors and spices that I've experienced through food, uh, I've actually packaged in this beautiful little jar called Sicily Toppings that consumers can now enjoy. Wow, I love it. And so tell me about starting a business. You know, I love this segment because we get to kind of just pull back the layers on yeah. you know, successful Torontonians. And so I want to, yeah, tell me about the journey of starting a company. I'm sure there are many people yeah. who are listening and like, I have that dream you know, Sachi, I have that dream of starting something, and yet I'm afraid of doing so. Yeah, it's, listen, I've got, I've had those same questions, and I look to entrepreneurs that actually took that leap of faith to sort of help me sort of, you know, go through that process. So, I mean, listen, this, I feel like now more than ever, uh, consumers, are ready to get away from the big brands and support smaller brands and support local products. So I I feel like if anybody's kind of, you know, looking to sort of start something, I'd say from a timing standpoint, um, the, the consumers are ready. And so what I always say is pick something, I mean, pick something that you love, Pick something that you're passionate about and really start small. It's like I'm a, I'm a blue sky thinker, too. I, I think big. I remember when I first kind of put pen to paper on Sicily, it was like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. But start small. Mm. Uh, come up with a proof of concept in terms of whether it's a service or product and kind of test it out. Test it out with customers or target consumers 
and sort of get that feedback and, and, and also lean on your friends and family who have business experience. I, LinkedIn has been my savior in yeah. many ways because I've reached out to so many, so many people. And you'd be surprised at how entrepreneurs, because we've all been there, we actually want to go, go, we want to give back and we want to support others. And so I think you just have to like go about it, start small, uh, you know, pick something you're passionate about, lean on your business community, and then, you know, go for it. And there's a lot of government programs as well. I like to push a lot of the federal and provincial programs that are really out there to support uh, small businesses that, that are looking to get a head start, So, which I took advantage of as well. I agree with you. I mean, I started a charity almost 10 years ago, and I will say that you know, all you have to do is ask somebody else who's been there. And usually people are very forthcoming and very generous with what they've learned, you know, will point you in the right direction. And so it's just about pulling up your pants and, and just, you know, True. and putting aside your pride a little and just I asking know. for help. And people are out there willing to help. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And and for me, because I, I, I went from a different industry, I had zero network and contacts. Yeah. And I'm just, so, so appreciative and grateful and in awe of the community that's out there that's willing to help. So, yeah, so, 100%. So, Sachi, what has been probably the hardest lesson that you've learned being an entrepreneur? Well, I'd say in my case, I'm a solopreneur, so mm. I don't have a partner. I don't have anyone to really bounce ideas off of, and I'd say coming from, you know, coming from a corporate environment where you had teams and you had colleagues, it gets, it, it can get a little bit lonely and isolating. And so how I've overcome that, and that, and that's something you'll probably hear from a lot of entrepreneurs that you do, you do feel a little bit alone sometimes. And so I got some really good advice on this particular issue from one of my mentors. And they said, Sachi, go join a community of like-minded entrepreneurs, uh, I, you know, of other founders, other women-owned uh, businesses. And so I did exactly that, and it has really, really helped. Community it has been a game-changer. Yeah, Community is so important. Tell so me, important. Tell me about the city and how Toronto has played a role. I'd love to hear about where you grew up, all of those things. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I was actually, I have a somewhat of an interesting story, and I do think it's influenced sort of where I've landed now. So I, I was born in Uganda, in Africa, and then my parents immigrated to Canada, uh, and we were actually in Regina, of all places, like really uh, quite the extreme in terms of where we were, where we landed. And then I'd say, and then I, and I grew up in Ottawa, and Ottawa was, you know, I was, it was not as multicultural as it is today, so definitely... Um, I was looking for that sort of diversity and, and that's really what took me into the journey of travel and food. And I was very fortunate that my partner was also equally, uh, equally a foodie. Yeah. And so coming into, coming, so having done all that and coming to Toronto, it's like, it's like, I don't actually need to leave Toronto now because I, I get those experiences here in the city and it's, we're pretty, and it's a pretty special place, I'd say, having seen uh, other metropolitan, sort of having had some culinary experiences outside of Canada, Toronto's a, a, a gem of a food, food mecca, foodie mecca. 
for sure. The world is here. Yeah. So, I mean, is. when we think about Satchili and the fact that you're able to uh, to probably market this in so many areas because of the diversity of our city, I have a um, about a minute left. Where can people find Satchili? Yeah. So Satchili toppings are, we just, uh, we're, so we're, all across Ontario, about 200 plus stores. We're in major retailers such as Sobeys and Loblaws. So that's amazing because our consumers can get super easy access to our products. And we're also um, in some of the smaller independents such as Pusateri's, uh, Nature's Emporium, etc. So, and, and you can obviously go to Sicily.com as well. Okay. Well, you're going to stick around and we're going to toss some news stories at you. I'd love to hear your thoughts on some of them. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break and return with Sachi. You're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto. We're back with founder and chief flavor officer of Sachili, Sachi Couture. Uh, Sachi, we, uh, there are a couple of news stories that I'd love your take on. Uh, besides working in the spice world, I know that you have experience, as you said, in the corporate world and specifically in, in HR as well. Um, we're seeing activity in the downtown core of many cities deplete as people work from home more and some have just moved out of the city. According to a study on workplace mobility trends by the Canadian Chamber of Commerce's Business Data Lab, foot traffic in the downtown core of, the, of Toronto is uh, 46% lower than before the pandemic. What does that tell yeah. you about what people are looking for when it comes to work? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a shift that's happening, and this topic is really top of mind. Anyone you speak to these days, I, you know, I think what the pandemic did is uh, it showed companies that uh, remote work, especially for the companies, the larger uh, brands where uh, they had very strict policies, it really proved that uh, remote work does have minimal impact on productivity and you it's it's a really uh important way to keep your millennials uh younger workforce engaged because this is something that they've been asking for for a very long time so and so i'm not surprised with those stats given that um we have seen this uh obvious dip in uh in office uh sort of policies and so and even for the companies that are that do have an office, it's it's sprinkled across Monday to Wednesday. So unless you have an anchor day where your full complement of employees are in, I don't think you're going to see that traffic increase. And and I guess for Toronto, you know, you think about our downtown core, it's predominantly people in industries like banking, you know, insurance, that kind of thing, where they can now work from home. So what does that mean for the future of the downtown core for Toronto and other big cities, you think? I know, I know. I mean, I've listened, I've walked, um, I've walked in the path underground Monday to Friday post pandemic. Oh, it's it's like a ghost town. It's a ghost town, yeah. right? It's completely transformed. Um, I think it's kind of hard to predict, but I, I, I'd like to think that um, because we're going to be in this constant st- state of shifting and changing and pivoting, I, I don't think it's like, I, I, I don't think we can say that the current state is going to stay exactly where it is. I think the novelty of working from home over time is going to start to wear down. People are going to want, you know, collaboration, human interaction. I want to go for lunch with my colleagues. I want to be able to enjoy these things. So I'm, I, I actually look at it a bit more optimistically mm-hmm. that hopefully over with time, 
And with these shifts, um, maybe it's not going to be exactly what it was pre-pandemic, but definitely I'd like to think that we're going to slowly try to get back to where things were. Later on in the show, we have a, a story of, you know, people really suffering through office fatigue. So we went through yeah. the Zoom fatigue. Now we're going through the office yeah. fatigue. If you yeah. put on your HR lens, what is maybe something that companies are not doing right as we move back to, you know, some companies have the whole hybrid thing. So, you know, half yeah. your time at home, half your time in the office. How do you get people to really buy into coming into the office and feeling excited about that as opposed to it just being a burden? I agree. Like you factor in commute time and yeah. all the other things that we're really not well, used putting to. Putting on pants yeah. <laughs> instead yeah, exactly. of your pajamas. <laughs> exactly. I got a shower today. I got to find something to wear yep. other than joggers. Um, so where companies are really missing the mark, and, and I, you know, and I have peers in HR roles, and I know that there's challenges. This topic is, is really uh, challenging for many companies right now. But I think what companies really need to do is avoid a cookie-cutter policy because every employee's circumstances are different. I may have elderly parents. I have young children. You know, the, the schooling, as we know, there's been so much disruption. So pick something that's flexible, that's adaptable. And then when you do have your employees coming into the offices, give your leaders the autonomy to plan that, to, to turn it into sort of a, you know, maybe it's a biweekly team meeting. It's, it's, it's something that involves collaboration versus just going in for the sake of going in, right? And, and I think if you can do those two things really, really well and balance them, I think you're actually going to get better buy-in and, and overall just a better balanced um, sort of in-office remote experience. Yeah. I love that idea, though, of just not across the board. This is the rule. You need to come in these times, but really looking at each individual employee and tailoring to them because then somebody feels like they're valued and they're seen as an individual and what they can offer uh, the company. 100%. And just the one thing I want to point out is at the end of the day, sometimes the roles, like I know I I dealt with this as well, certain roles you have to be in the office. It's just yep. the nature of the role. So I think it's a give and take as, as long as employees understand that, you know, from a business standpoint, they're trying to kind of make appropriate compromises. So just making sure that that balance is there. Okay. This other topic uh, that I'd love some some of your insights on, high commercial rents are forcing small businesses out. You know, you talked about, we just talked to you about being an entrepreneur. Um, I mean, this is scary when we think about the future of, you know, Main Street in our cities of really being mom and pop shops, the small businesses, we're always encouraged to, to frequent our small businesses. But hearing that these high rents are pushing some of these small businesses out is scary. It is. It really is. And we're, I'm seeing it in my neighborhood, too. I'm in the Leaside neighborhood, and yep. you go through just there's so much turnover. And it, it's challenging. And, and I'd say um, you've got sort of the perfect storm. You've got sort of landlords, you know, being able to increase costs, right? And, and perhaps even, at, uh, you know, in double digits in some cases is what I've heard. Mm-hmm. And you've got sort of labor inflation that's really creating a lot of challenges. And then you've got sort of general inflation, cost of goods are going up, ingredients, supplies. So I think if, if I'm a small business and I've got sort of all these 
forces working against me, it's really, really hard, yeah. really hard. What, what do you think that means for the future of small businesses? Will we, will yeah. a lot of Main Street be these big box stores? I mean, we're already oh, seeing it. Hope not. I know. We are know. seeing well, it in true. some cities. We are. Yeah. No, you're right. When a franchise brand moves, takes over yeah. uh, a quaint little sort of neighborhood, like I, I definitely balk a little bit. And so I think, I mean, listen, I, I'm not an expert on government policy, mm-hmm. but I really think that with, you know, really knowing all these pressures that small businesses are facing, there has to be some reprieve, there has to be some support. If we want to keep this um, sort of mosaic of small businesses uh, thriving, and frankly, consumers are actually, we're, we're demanding that too. I just talked about local being big. We actually want those mom and pop shops. So I think that there has to be some support at a macro level to, to really ensure that they thrive and they, yeah. they are, they're supported. So again, my optimistic lens, yeah. I think that as long as we're working through the issues and we're talking about them, I hope that it'll, it'll help kind of move the needle. Sachi Couture, thank you so much for your time today. It was lovely, lovely, lovely talking to you. Oh, thank you so much, Maggie. It was my pleasure. And uh, yeah, the early morning, early morning rise on a Sunday, but this was fun. <laughs> Thanks again. That was Sachi Couture, founder and chief flavor officer of Sachili.